2: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're gonna talk about the importance of presentation management. Joining us is James Entra, who's the co-founder and CEO of Shuffler, which is a powerful, elegant, easy-to-use SaaS solution that finally brings decade-old presentation technology into the 21st century. Powering the presentation strategies of hundreds of fortune-level companies, Shuffler helps marketing professionals save time and money by transforming the humble PowerPoint slide and everyday marketing file into invaluable business assets. Yesterday, James and I talked about his strategies for marketing through storytelling, and today we're going to continue the conversation by talking about using logic versus storytelling to inspire prospects. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with James Ontra, co-founder and CEO of Shuffler. James, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me,
2: Ben. Excited to have you back on the show. Excited to continue our conversation. Yesterday, we talked about the need and some of the uses and applications of presentations. It's a very powerful way to not only present information, but also there's a lot of waste. A lot of companies are creating presentations. Each person is responsible for their own presentation management, and we're not able to use and share some of the resources. It's important to keep your presentations consistent. And that's really what Shuffler does. It's presentation management across a large company. So you can borrow a slide. You can take information from all around your company and put it in a cohesive deck or presentation. Today I want to talk to you a little bit more about the way that you can actually build those presentations. And specifically, I think there's two ways to think about what you're trying to get across or how you're making your point with the presentation. There's the emotional driven storytelling aspect. And then there is the data driven logic based methodology. Do you have a preference or do you have thoughts on what actually makes an effective presentation using logic and data or a narrative and storytelling?
1: I think it's a combination, and it also has to do with your audience a little bit. A very technical crowd might desire more data, where a diverse crowd, you might reach them better emotionally. To use an example is TV ads are all emotional. They don't talk about the details. AT&T doesn't talk about their great switching boards. They talk about reaching out and touch someone. That's an emotional ploy versus they're a great technology company. That this That's an old example, but there's still a balance in presentations on those two methods.
2: I don't know what the contrasting metaphor is. And I, I understand what you're saying with at and but there has to be a commercial out there that says 75% of people that use this drug see this type of performance in whatever they're doing. You know, 75% of people that take testosterone see improved workouts, whatever it is. Yeah, there's balance on both of them. So how do you figure out what is the right strategy for the message that you're trying to get across?
1: To find that strategy, I would say divide it into two. Take a minute and say, what's the emotional component? What's the data component? Merge the two. Find one slide to hit the emotional component and then follow up with the data to nail it home.
2: So let's bring it back to writing 101, right? When I'm, uh, I don't even maybe it was high school or college, but you, know, you need an introduction to your essay. You need the body paragraphs, then you need the conclusion. There's a kind of relatively simple format for writing an essay. Is there a system that you recommend people follow when they're creating their decks?
1: There is structure to follow. I don't think there's a hard system. When I say structure, you want to properly introduce it. You want to get your message out. You want to go to the, if it's a story, the conflict, the issue, or in the solution that goes through it. Yes, you want to do that. But I truly believe that the internet and social media has kind of blown that up where people tend to force the whole message into as few images, slides as possible. I had an example of what you were talking about. You were talking about an emotional play versus a data-driven play. And I thought about the Trident ads. The first thing is freshen your breath while you chew gum. Emotionally, you're gonna be liked. Then they say four out of five dentists surveyed recommend sugarless gum. They turn around and say, you're gonna have fresh breath. And by the way, the data says from the smart people that you should be doing this to save your teeth.
2: So it seems like there's a format there where you're creating an emotional appeal first, and then you're using your data to supplement that and prove your point.
1: Actually, that's kind of what I was thinking earlier is pick a slide to hit the emotional point early, then justify it with the follow through. Because if someone feels something and they believe it, they want to justify it. They want to have the reasoning that says their feelings are correct. We can look at social media, how people actually go out and seek their own feelings to be reverberated back
2: to them. (laughs) You know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but one of my biggest concerns with marketing through slides is the idea of slide bloat. Is that, you know, hey, four out of five dentists recommend that you use Trident. And the other dentist, there's a 75% chance that he's an alcoholic. (laughs) And there's also these other, you know, you can continue to add fact and layer and layer and layer and layer to prove your point. And you're always adding more data and more information. Fundamentally, I guess what I'm asking is how many slides is enough slides? How many slides is too much? I'm sure that's a loaded question. But when you're helping people figure out how to tell their story through this medium, How do they figure out how much information to include in the presentation and where to stop?
1: I try not to give too much information. I personally like images and presenting myself personally. Anything over 25, 30 slides is really exhausting, unless you're in like technology and you're just going through the data and you're just presenting stuff. But if you're looking to convince someone, if you're looking to sell something, if you're looking to bring someone over to your point, the last thing you want to do is cloud it with too many issues pick the most serious ones, present your emotional cause, follow it up with your hardest hammer, and maybe a supplement. If you need to keep on going to prove your point, it starts looking like you're desperate, and people start wondering if you really believe what you're trying to sell.
2: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know Back in the day when I was running my first startup, everybody that thinks about raising capital needs to go and create a presentation and you get 10 slides to pitch to a VC max. And it's really hard to talk about everything that you're doing when you're running a company in 10 slides. So if you're able to present something as complicated as a business plan to a venture capitalist using 10 slides, what are the other 10 slides that you would be using? You mentioned like 2025 gets a little arduous. Anybody that's going over 10 slides, you know, what's the purpose of those supplemental slides?
1: Just detail. Generally, I agree with the 10 slides for making the pitch because that's plenty to get there. Quite frankly, it does go back to the emotional slide up front and following it through thereafter. If you did a pitch in front of a venture capitalist, sometimes the best pitches have very little words. For example, when the laptop was first pitched, this was in a venture capitalist office. The person who pitched it took his folders and tossed it on the desk. And it was a big folder. And it hit and it said, thud. And he said, shouldn't our whole computer be that big? The rest of the meeting, all the venture capitalists argued about how they would make it happen. And they actually made the deal. He took an emotional minute of going, oh, my God, my eyes came up and took it. Think about the Uber deal. And I'll bring it to Shuffler, my own business thereafter, is Uber, here's their business plan. Have you ever waited in a taxi line outside of an airport? (laughs) It's horrible. But now you have a phone, pick up your phone, hit the button, and your car is waiting for you in six minutes. Never again did you have to tell anybody about the dollars and cents and what it takes and what you're charging and how you're bringing on drivers and all that stuff. You sold the whole thing. It went right through. It's the change. It's the from, to. If you're not telling someone coming from something to a new something, it makes it hard for them really to digest. And I'm talking about the VC type of play there
2: there's someone somewhere listening to this podcast who's like, I get what you're saying, that the simpler and more narrative and more emotionally driven, you can make the beginning of your presentation, the more likely people aren't going to look at the details. But life isn't always that simple. And sometimes we're presenting complicated information. Now, does that mean that you can't present complicated information through presentations? If you're only looking at, you know, say, a good presentation is 10 slides?
1: No, actually, if you present the emotional appeal, the audience will go and find the reason to reinforce their emotional belief that you got them in the very beginning. Because if they buy the basic concept that getting your car through a phone, they're looking to build the rest of the business plan. And since you've already thought about it, their thoughts should already be ahead of your words. And this is all for VCs type of stuff. They want to know how it's going to be distributed. Like for me, when I say every university is built around a lecture hall and every lecture hall is a presentation, a VC can start going, oh my God, there's 2000 universities in US alone. And each one has several hundred lecture halls. And if we're managing the slides in every one of those lecture halls, we've got 10 million slides a year. That's probably a billion dollar budget right in and of itself. In their own mind, they're doing that because I presented something that everyone's familiar with, yet they made a connection that they didn't know was there to deal with.
2: At the end of the day, when you think about trying to inspire your prospects, there is a blend. We need both logic and storytelling. And I think what James and I are talking about is that you need to focus on storytelling and have a narrative that goes throughout the entire presentation. Logic is what you're using to prove your point, but to make your point, you need compelling story and narrative. And it doesn't necessarily just mean that you're, you know, making a movie all the time. James used the example of Uber. It's not exactly a inspiring type of business. If anything, it was known for being a cutthroat business in the early days. But the notion of the simplicity and ease of use for the transportation industry was something that was compelling to the venture capitalists that they were pitching.
1: And to the rest of the world. It made it very, very valuable very quickly. (laughs) It
2: did. It did. Absolutely. It turns out the guy that was sleeping on my friend Jared's couch, actually, they were roommates, a man named Garrett Camp. It's one of the guys that was giving the presentation, one of the founders of Uber, and he's from San Francisco where I grew up. And he was just one of the guys. Now he's the founder of Uber because he was able to craft a narrative through presentations.
0: Yep.
1: I'll give an example. Here's a great one I think people do. In my history, I did a lot of high consulting for presentations for a lot of media companies. One of the presentations I early worked on was NBC selling their Olympic advertising. Now, they had just invested $9 billion for airing it for 10 years or something of that nature, and they had to recoup the money. And they were saying, and we're bringing video and audio to these slides, and they want to know, this isn't me selling it, this is me regurgitating how they were selling it, but they said, how do you really move your audience? You're going in and you're asking, I'm making this one up, you're asking Coca-Cola for a billion dollars to sponsor the Olympics. And they say, well, there'll be a million people watching it and it's this and it's that and everyone around the world and it has all those logical nuts and bolts. And they said, but how do we get them from a $1 billion logical investment to a $2 billion investment on emotion because it carries longer than the event? And they said, let's give them the Carry Scrugg video. The video of Carrie Strug with a broken ankle, running and flipping over the horse and then hitting a perfect 10 and almost crying. And then she went and did it again. Suddenly the hair's standing up on the back of your neck. Suddenly you're emotionally involved. Suddenly you're there. Then they turn around and say, now Coca-Cola would like to teach the world to sing. And let me show you the numbers. And by the way, every ad carries decades longer than your one people watching it. That emotional element being brought into it caused a bigger commitment of finances.
2: There's a funny thing about presentations. I think of them, and I mentioned this yesterday, as those 45-page slide decks in my days at eBay where people were presenting a ton of information, just reading the slides. And I would think, oh, present, oh, decks, oh, I don't want to see them. They're just a way to present information, and it's long, and it's boring, and it's where we're spending all of our time just creating decks to present to each other instead of talking. In reality, when you do it right, it's a visual way to present your data. It's a visual way to present your information. And you can really carry the artistic part of marketing, the emotional part of marketing through that visual, and then follow it up with some of the supplemental logic-driven narrative to really make an impact on your prospects, your customers, and even your internal team.
1: Yeah. And your internal team benefits a lot more than you would imagine, because when you have consistency of message on slides and people presenting it, and they all present the same slides, when they come together, they're all on the same page. They're all convincing their audience using the same words, the same information, the same graphics, and your whole organization is more consistent on your whole messaging across the enterprise. That's why it's like an enterprise communication system in a way.
2: All right. So, James, I appreciate the advice and the strategies for how to make a presentation. Before we let you go, tell me a little bit about Shuffler. What's the difference between, you know, just using PowerPoint and a presentation management platform like yours?
1: Shuffler uses PowerPoint as the content creation tool. The big difference between Shuffler and basic presentations is yesterday, presentations are flat. You went and picked from different files. You copied and pasted. You put it down. You got 10 slides from one to 10. You're planning on going to use that tomorrow. If I knew yesterday exactly what we were speaking about today and I was that smart, I probably wouldn't have to do this podcast, not the personal. (laughs) Ouch. That's what a presentation (laughs) is, knowing what you're going to talk about tomorrow. But in a presentation management environment, your company has a structured library of slides that might be 200 slides deep. You quickly can pick 10 slides in an order, much like picking 10 items in Amazon, and hit save. You're out the door in five minutes with a compliant, up-to-date, ready-to-go presentation. In the middle of that slideshow, when someone says, wow, I didn't know you had a London office. Well, yesterday, I didn't know you wanted to talk about our London office because, quite frankly, I'm not that smart. But when you brought it up, I have a whole library available, and I quickly go right to the slide on the London office. And it says, oh, I've got 22 people and a printing press. They go, wow, I didn't know you had a printing press. There's a video of the printing press. Let me just run it. The video runs. You're seeing it. I didn't know we were talking about it. When we're finished, I've let the presentation follow the conversation as opposed to the presentation forcing the conversation. When I've exhausted that conversation and I've engaged with you, you just boomerang back to where you left off and you close the deal. You close it the way you're supposed to. So the big difference with Shuffler is from a flat presentation to an organized structured library that allows your slides to follow the conversation.
2: Real-time presentations that let you mirror your customers' interests And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with James Entra, the co-founder and CEO of Shuffler. If you'd like to get in touch with James, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His company's handle is Shuffler, S-H-U-F-F-L-R-R. Or you could visit his company's website, which is Shuffler.com. Again, it's S-H-U-F-L-R-R, two R's, dot com.